0: I encourage you. Mary's got lots of other stories to share with you, and uh, if it's a real treat that your sister—I I am. Thank you. We, we got. I I was doubly blessed. June came over, and the two of them sh- shared stories together. And uh, the two of them are just a hoot. <laughs> so if you if you got some time, uh, ask them for more stories. Uh, just a great time. Um, I have to regroup myself here. I just I loved hearing those stories. That with the hunting story with them carrying each other, I was rolling. I, I just thought that was hysterical. Last week we started uh, a new series looking at the big picture of the Bible. And as a part of that lesson uh, or that sermon last week, uh, I talked about our need to be studying Scripture and and looking at it, wrestling with Scripture uh, individually and also together as a body. Uh, So if you look at your uh, sermon notes in the center of the bulletin, uh, I just wanted to provide you with some some resources. If you're looking, you want to be studying scripture and you want some helpful resources, but maybe you're not sure where to start. These are just some uh, helpful things that I've found. Uh, you can check those out. There, most of them are either websites or um, apps that you can put on um, a smartphone or a or a tablet. Um, we used to have to. M- Get big collections of commentaries And commentaries are still great Uh, I love digging into those commentaries But unless you want to spend money On a whole set of commentaries Or aren't sure where to start These are some helpful tools um, Just to begin to, to really dig into scripture And what it has to say This morning we come to the part of the story That is called Man As king. Last week we talked about God as king, and this week we are at man as king. So as we come to the the text this morning, would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Holy God, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you this morning. Would you speak to us through me or despite me? And always we know that you will speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Does it ever strike you how long it takes the people of Israel to come up with a king, to decide to have a king? Abraham is called to follow God, and he does so faithfully. He ends up having great wealth and and rubbing elbows with uh, royalty in, in Egypt. He has great authority. There's lots of people under him, and yet he never claims to be king. Moses confronts Pharaoh, leads people out of Egypt, leads them through the wilderness. He leads the construction of the tabernacle and of the Ark of the Covenant, which is for the true king. And Moses, with all of his authority, still never claims the title of king. Joshua leads uh, the people into the promised land, leads the conquest of the promised land, great military leader, and yet never a king. Then God sends the judges, strong men and women, who lead the people of Israel through different situations, and yet their judges never Kings. The people of Israel are surrounded by the Pharaoh, king in Egypt, uh, Hittite kings, Canaanite kings, and yet the people of God, for the longest time, continue to recognize Yahweh as their king. But then something changes. Something changes for the people of Israel. Samuel the prophet is leading the people of Israel Speaking for God to the people And it comes time to choose some new judges And Samuel shows a little nepotism And and elects his own sons as judges But they were corrupt They weren't really following God And so in the scripture that we read this morning 1 Samuel 8 people come and complain to Samuel in verses 4 and 5 the elders of Israel come to meet with Samuel and they complain about the leadership of his sons in verse 5 they say appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations they're not satisfied with the judges and so they say appoint for us a king like other nations, once again proving that because everybody else is doing it is a really bad reason to do something. But how often do we say, well, they're doing it, and they're doing it, and everybody's doing it. We all often blame teens for saying things like that. But in truth, we all say stuff like that. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't we do it? Consistently, the Bible seems to call us to another way of living that doesn't look like everyone else. People demand a king to lead them. They're worried about how corrupt Samuel's sons are as judges, and they want a king, as if a king is going to suddenly solve all their problems. They want a quick solution. And so Samuel gets ticked off. He does not like this suggestion, and he goes to God. But Yahweh says, listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And I can almost hear the sadness in God's voice as he says, they haven't rejected you. My people have rejected me. They want a quick fix. They think a king is going to solve their problems. It's a turning point in the history, in, in the story of God, in the story of God's people, in the story of a king and his kingdom. Yahweh, who is king of the universe, who reigns from Genesis 1 through Exodus. He conquers Pharaoh. He is king through Deuteronomy, making a royal treaty or a covenant with the people of Israel. And now the people of God flat out reject Yahweh as king. They want a king like everyone else. Verse 8, God goes on to say, Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. See, the people are repeating a cycle that's been a part of their lives for a long time. This might be the last straw, but it's a movement that's been building since Eden, since Genesis chapter 3 when people choose to go down their own road, when humanity decides for themselves what's right and wrong, it's this undercurrent that's been happening for a long time. And now it kind of comes to full fruition. See, humanity had decided at the tree of knowledge of good and evil to take their own course. And repeatedly we see even those faithful heroes of the faith Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, repeatedly kind of following God's will, but often choosing to do things in their own way, in their own time. Abraham decides that God's not moving fast enough, and he decides that he needs to help God out in achieving this covenant, in achieving this great nation. So he takes things into his own hands. Moses occasionally shows his distrust or lack of faith so do the others at the foot of Sinai Aaron even builds an idol for the people and claims that it is the God who had rescued the people from Egypt but now as the people reject God as their king God relents and reluctantly allows Israel to have their king In the next several verses then, God warns the people what having a king over them will mean. He says, the king will draft your sons into the military and force them into labor. He will conscript their daughters into forced labor. He will take their land through eminent domain. He will take their wealth and their property Anabaptist in me has some serious questions about trusting human politicians right about now. Putting too much faith in a king or an elected official to solve all our problems. God warns you're not going to like what this king brings. You're going to cry out when this king you choose starts oppressing you. Even some of Israel's best kings, David and and Solomon and and, and others, often are building up their military. They're forcing people to serve in their uh, building projects. But verse 19 People respond. The people refuse to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like other nations. This, let's be like everybody else thing. Really, they just keep repeating that. So that we may be like other nations, that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. We want to see who's in charge of us. We want somebody big and bold, to go out and fight our fights. If you read each of these stories, hasn't God been fighting the battles for them? In fact, a number of these kings aren't going to successfully fight these battles by themselves. God's going to have to come to their rescue, bringing the armies of heaven, intervening, having armies fighting themselves before the people of Israel even get to the battle. The king isn't going to solve their problems they have rejected God as their king but the people insist they insist on having their king let's step back for a second this is an individual story but let's step back and see where this falls in the big picture the king and his kingdom story see at the beginning God is king and under this section, we can place the stories of the Bible, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, all under the reign of Yahweh, God as king. Yet there's this undertone that something is not right in the kingdom, not all is well. Something has been broken. And we see that now take a major shift as man claims to be king, as they reject Yahweh as their king. Here is the official turning point for the people of God. And under this part of the story, we can place David and Solomon, the prophets, Ahab and Jezebel, can place all those stories under man as king. There's good kings and there's, evil kings but even the good ones are flawed the prophets then come pointing forward in the story saying there's there's more to come there's a man coming but more than a man coming to be king they point us forward in the story pointing to a new kind of king one that will make the story right Again, But right here is where we often get stuck in the story. There's a whole bunch of reasons why we continue to reject God as king. For the Israelites, they wanted to have a leader that they could see, that could lead them, that could represent them, so they could be like everyone else. Sometimes we can talk a tough game about trusting God, having faith in God. But then we decide, too, that God needs our help, that we need to act for God and and move things along. We get tired of waiting for God's kingdom to come in God's time, and so we try and give it a little nudge. We want to do things on our own. We want to do things in our own way, in our own time. Sometimes God tells us to forgive others, but we decide that holding a grudge will be better. They don't deserve forgiveness. And that just damages us. Jesus says, take my yoke, but we say, no, I'll try to do it myself. I'll work myself I'll make everything better myself. I'll just keep working and eventually everything will get better. We take what God says about sex being reserved for a covenant marriage and we decide we can't wait or we go outside of the covenant or we think, what can pornography hurt? So we try and do things our own way. Or Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. But we decide that if we just destroy our enemies, either physically or emotionally, well, then we just won't have any enemies. If we just destroy them, if we get rid of them all. And we try and do things our own. We try and make ourselves king. And while we might say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, we often put ourselves As the king of our lives We say I know better than God Or we say what the Israelites said I want to be like everyone else I want to do things My own way And so much of the time We get stuck In this part of the story Let me Name something that I see For the larger church Struggling with it's very much like the people in the time of Samuel. And that is that thinking that the right human leader or the right laws or the right judge is suddenly going to make things better. If we vote correctly, everything will get better. Too much faith, hope, and trust in any human leader, whether in a monarchy like israel or a democracy like the united states is putting our trust and our faith and our hope in the wrong place god lets us know that making ourselves or another human king is ultimately going to let us down in genesis 3 god said choosing for ourselves would lead to death he tells Adam and Eve, if, if you eat from this tree, which is not just about eating the wrong fruit, it's about choosing for yourselves what right and wrong is, it's going to lead to death. Here in 1 Samuel 8, God says, following a human king is going to be a big disappointment. It's not going to get you where you think it's going to. But the prophets begin to point forward past this part of the story To a man but more than a man Coming to restore The kingdom So we had God as king We have man as king And in the future in a couple weeks We'll talk about Christ As king This is where we want our stories To move towards Next week We get to see where we're at in this story. See how too often we have stayed in this man as king, and next week we get to see some people visibly make the commitment to move over here. Christ as king as we enter the waters of baptism and are raised to new life, as we claim Jesus as Lord and Savior and King of our lives we get to see people connect with the king and his kingdom story. But this morning, I want us to see the danger of getting stuck in this part of the story. Sometimes it feels safer. I think when the Israelites make this demand, when, when they say, we want our own king, I think in some ways they think they're going to feel safer. Or we trust what we see more than we trust God. We think that we can fight our own battles. We think that if we have the right human things, we'll get better. And maybe that human is us, and maybe that human is someone else. But the king and his kingdom story calls us forward. Tells us this isn't the end of the story. There is more to come. It challenges us to move forward in that story. As we come to the end of our service this morning, I'll invite you to turn.